Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. You may have a seat. Well, it is so good to see you this morning. And if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you take them out, please, and go uh, to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, as um, this is our fifth sermon in our summer sermon series titled Summer Love, Learning to Love Like Jesus. And I got to be honest with you, this is our fifth sermon. Uh, We're about a month into it, and you're already looking more lovely than you did a month ago. Isn't that good? Look at your neighbor and say, you look lovely today. You really, really, really do. And I'm so glad um, that you're here today. A couple of reasons. Well, obviously, number one, glad you're here as um, we are um, saying happy birthday to our nation. Um, It is a good day um, that we celebrate um, the birth of our nation. But another reason it's a good day is because I can now tie my own bow tie. That's pretty good. That's a good day. I'm telling you. Um, It took me about 221 tries to figure it out yesterday, but I did it on one try today. It is a good, good day. I'm excited to be here, and I really am excited to be in the house of the Lord today. Um, One, really, because it is our nation's uh, birthday as our United States, 245 years old. I don't know about you, but I am thankful that we live in the United States of America. Amen? I am so thankful. Psalm 33, 12 says this, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You know, when the pilgrims came across from England in 1620, when they came across, and the pilgrims are, are evangelicals. Um, the pilgrims pretty much believe what, what you and I believe about, about Jesus and about the Bible. And when the pilgrims came across um, the Atlantic Ocean in 1620, uh, um, uh, they came across because they left the nation England because of religious persecution. They were being persecuted. Um, England had its own official religion. They had a state church that they called the Church of England. And the pilgrims, they said, you know, we want to worship the right way. We want to worship in in a way that we believe is consistent with Scripture. And so the pilgrims said, you know what, we're going to go across to this new land, this new place, this this land called America, and we are going to start over, and and we're going to move over there not for political freedom. They moved over here for religion freedom. They came over here because they wanted to worship God freely. And this idea of of worshiping God freely is so important to our nation and to our heritage. It's so important that our founding fathers wrote that in the very first amendment when it says this, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise exercise thereof. You, You know what that means? don't you? It means that the government cannot tell us how, when, or where we are to worship. Amen? Our government cannot do that according to our First Amendment. Uh, The country was founded upon religious freedom and that we can worship God the way that we so desire according to God's Word. And that's why I am so thankful that we can live in the United States of America. And she turns 245 years old today. Now, 
Think about birthdays for just a moment with me. When it's a birthday, you often have what? A cake. And you often put candles on the cake, right? And it's tradition before you um, eat the cake, before you uh, sing happy birthday, you will do what? You will make a wish and blow out the candles, right? You make a wish. Well, today, on July 4th of 2021, before we blow out the candles on America's birthday cake at tonight's fireworks, I want to make a wish. And I pray that we would all make this wish together, and it's this. I wish that the United States was more united than divided. I wish the United States was more united rather than divided. I think we'd all agree that we've come to a very unique moment in our country's history where that division and hate reign supreme. It's like I've never seen in my lifetime. No matter the issue that our country faces today, no matter the issue, there's division. Whatever your opinion may be about a certain topic or idea, you are immediately labeled. Isn't that correct? No matter what it is, you're immediately labeled. If you say you believe one thing, then you're automatically labeled red or Republican. If you say you believe one thing, then you're automatically labeled blue or Democrat. You are automatically labeled either left or right or for or against. We are in a no-win situation. And as we label people, and we see this going on all the time in social media, in media, in conversations, people are being labeled. And here's what happens is we put people into boxes, and these boxes do not unite. Instead, they divide. And here's what I know, and here's what you know about division. When you are divided, it is hard to love one another. Can you get an amen on that one? When you are divided, it is hard to love one another. One of the great things I love about First Baptist Church Brunswick, and we have seen it today in our worship, one of the great things I love is the fact that we are a multi-generational church. We reach all generations. We reach multiple generations, and we will continue to reach multiple generations. But what's interesting in leading a or pastoring a multi-generational church is that, is that different generations will offer suggestions to me according to their own generation, right? So if a younger generation wants to give me an idea, they will text me social media or send me a meme, right? And so they'll say, hey, this is what I'd like, blah, 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 blah. But the older generation, what they do is they will take out a newspaper and cut out comic strips, <laughs> right? And, 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 and not too long ago, um, and I get several of these from several, several people, and I love it because that means you're, 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 you're listening to me sometimes, some of the Sundays you are, and that's really, really good. It makes you feel good. And you'll send me clips or whatever that's kind of related to... Um, or that message or whatever, but, but one of you sent me one of um, a Peanuts comic strip. Anyone remember Peanuts comic strip? Nobody. Great. This is good. America the Beautiful. We don't know a Peanuts comic strip. Written by Charles Schwartz. 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 
anyways, starring Charlie Brown. Well, anyways, this, uh, this cartoon, um, actually, I found, I, found, I found a digital copy of it. Here it is right here. Um, this is Lucy and Linus. Lucy, um, if you remember the story, uh, Lucy, the arrogant, bossy person, right? And she's talking to her brother, and, and she says in this story, you a doctor, ha, that's a big laugh. You could never be a doctor. You know why? Because you don't love mankind, that's why. And then he replies, you know, I love mankind, it's just people I can't stand. I mean, isn't that good? I mean, I think that's really, really good. And I think that makes a point where we are in our nation. Loving the world and loving our nation in general isn't that difficult. It's the people who make up that nation. It's the people who make up that nation that make it extremely difficult to love. I would say to you this morning that it is difficult for Republicans to love Democrats. It's difficult for Democrats to love Republicans. It's difficult for the left to love the right. It's difficult for the right to love the left. And I believe that in, the, in, in our country, I believe that we are on a precipice. And that we're hanging in the balance. So today, on this July 4th, is there something, is there something that we as believers in Christ Jesus, is there something that we can do to make a difference? Is there something that you and I can do in our country today, in this time of division, is there something that we can do that can make not only a temporal difference, but also can make an eternal difference? When you look around in this room right here, can, is there something that we can do? First Baptist Church, Brunswick, is there something that we can do to make a difference in, in our city, Brunswick, into our county, Glen, in our state, Georgia, in the United States, is there something that we can do to make a difference? You know, I think of the prophet Jeremiah when he speaks to the, to the Israelites who are in exile. They were sent out to Babylon um, because of the exile, and, and he told the Israelites in, in exile, he said this, you seek the welfare of your city. You seek the welfare of your city. You build homes there. You make families there. And you seek the welfare of the place where you live. So is there something that we can do? I, I, I don't know if you've asked yourself this question or not, but countless times over the past several days, weeks, and months, I've asked myself, God, what what, what can we do? How can we stop uh, the, the tide? How can we stop the flow of, of, of atheistic belief? How can we stop the, the tide of, of, of oncoming uh, uh, Christian persecution? Well, when I read Scripture, the Scripture says emphatically, yes, there's something that we can do. And it actually has less to do with our rights Meaning, if we put aside our national rights as a United States citizen, and by the way, you know this, church, that as a believer in Jesus Christ, we are dual citizens. Amen? We are dual citizens. And actually, as a believer in Christ, our first citizenship is not of United States. It is of heaven. 
Our first citizenship is up in heaven. Our second one is here. And so when we read scripture, we see that we can make a difference, but it has a lot less to do with our rights and more to do with our heavenly responsibility. So what is our heavenly responsibility? Well, look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I want us to read scripture, and I want us to let scripture do its work in us this morning. And so we're going to look at what is known as the love chapter. This is the love chapter, and what's interesting in this love chapter, you will not hear anything referenced towards marriage. Because in context, this is not about marriage. Did you know that? This chapter is not necessarily about marriage. It's an application But it's directed to, and I'll speak more to this in just a moment, but it's directed to a church, a people that is full of division. That's the context of chapter 13. So once you pick up with me verse number one, we're gonna read the text this morning and I'm just gonna make some points to it, but this morning I'm reading from a different translation than I normally preach from. I'm reading from the New Living Translation just because I like the way it's worded. I just like the way it hears. So it may be a little different in your translation, but just bear with me um, and don't write me any uh, emails when we're done, okay? So let's pick up in verse number one, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, follow along in your copy of God's word, or you can follow on the screen behind me. And it says this, Paul says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, what Paul is saying here is this, and many people would say that, oh, well, Paul is saying that the, that the angels speak a different language. Well, that's not the point of this message. That's not the point of Paul's letter that the angels speak a different language. What he's saying is, if they could, not saying that they do, but if they could, and he was saying, if I could speak that language, what he's saying is, it wouldn't even matter if I didn't have love. What he says is this, without love, you are full of hot air. You know anybody like that? Full of hot air? And what Paul is saying says, if you have the greatest communication skills, if you have the oratory skills of of Martin Luther King Jr., of Billy Graham, Dr. Chris Winford, if you had the great oratory skills of these great men, but if you don't have love, he said, you're nothing but noise. Think about that for a moment. If you could speak as better than anybody else, but you have no love, you're nothing but noise. Verse two, if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and I possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but if I didn't love others, I would be nothing. I want you to underline that phrase, I would be nothing. The New American Standard says, I am nothing. Uh, That Greek word nothing is the Greek word udais. Say that with me, udais. And here's what it means. It's actually a double negative. It's a negative of a negative, which means this, when Paul writes this, he says, if you had the faith that moves mountains, but you don't love others, you are absolutely nothing. You're you're, you're nothing. He's saying, he said, I don't care if you have all of the right, uh, right clothes or the right, you look the part or if you play the part. He says, if you can do all these things, but if you don't have love, you are absolutely 
nothing. This is the same word, udais, that Jesus used when he said this, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do udais, nothing, absolutely nothing. I remember several years ago, actually a long time ago when I was in high school, it's a long time ago, back in my high school basketball playing, uh, basketball playing days, I went to a camp um, about 300 basketball players at this camp, and we did all kinds of drills, uh, passing drills, shooting drills, defense drills, you name it, um, shooting drills. And, and one of the coaches really liked how I shot the ball. He said, Chris, you have the best form out here. Well, that's pretty good. And so he said, so I want you at our next session, I want to use you as an illustration in front of all of these players and all of these coaches, and I want them to imitate your shooting form because you have great shooting form. And so I get out there and I demonstrate and, and I, okay, it was good form. And, 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 and I've had good form, but here's the problem. Even though I looked good shooting, it never went in the bucket. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, man, I, I, it looks good, but the ball would never go in the bucket. And if the ball never went in the bucket, guess what? I am nothing. Do you get it? And Paul says to the Corinthians, in the midst of division, he says, I don't care how great you talk. I don't care how great you do things. If you don't love one another... Even if they disagree with you, even if they have a different point of view, if you don't love them, you are absolutely nothing. I think Paul is onto something here. And I think our country needs to hear this because we are living in a time when love for others is absent. And if the love for others is absent, and we're seeing that in the church, you know why I see that in the church? Because we see it on social media. Are you with me? We see these things that come out, and if the church isn't loving, how can we expect an ungodly society to change its ways? If I don't love others, I am nothing. Verse number three, if I give everything I have to the poor, and I even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it. Some, some translations will say, um, uh, sacrifice my body to be burned. Um, but then it goes on to say, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Again, in the first three verses, Paul says this, if you don't love others, you're nothing. If you don't love others, you're nothing. If you don't love others, you're, you're nothing. If you, if you don't love others, you have gained nothing. At the end of chapter 12, Paul says this, that, that I want to show you, Corinthians, I want to show you, church, a more excellent way. And obviously, that more excellent way is love. That's what he's talking about in verse number 13. But why is Paul, I want you to think about this, think about this with him for just a few minutes. Why is Paul, why is he talking about love? Why is he doing this? Now, I've already mentioned there's some divisions, but in chapter 12, chapter 12 through 14 is one of Paul's longest message on, on gifts, on spiritual gifts. And he begins to talk to the Corinthian church saying, everybody has a gift. If you have a gift, um, you use that to glorify Christ and you do it to glorify the body. And he says, this, everybody has a gift and the church is a body. 
and the body must work together. And he says in chapter 12, he says, uh, the head can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you because we all need everybody. We all need to be together because we have one mission to make Jesus known. And he says, but there's been division. And he says that there's division in the church because some of you think more highly of yourselves than you do of other people. Now, I know that never happens in our church, right? Let me give, let me give you a story. At a former church, this is several, several years ago, a former church of mine that I was um, an associate pastor, our uh, pianist retired, our organist became the pianist, and we needed a new organist. Well, and Sandra will testify to this, it's hard to find a great organist. There's just not many organ players out there. Well, our church happened to find one, and he was young, which made it better. He was young, and he was really, really good. And the people loved it for about two months. They loved it for about two months because he was great, he played loud, but here's what the people began to find out as we would sing congregational songs, as we began to sing, is that as we would sing, the organ would get louder and louder and louder and louder and it would drown out the rest of the congregation. You see, what had happened was this organist began to like his gift better than everybody else's. Are you with me? He liked his gift better than everybody else's. He thought his gift was prominent. He thought his gift was the number one gift and that everybody else had to take second place or third place to his gift. And he only lasted two months because he thought more highly of himself than he did of the entire body. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13, there's division because there are people who are saying their gift is better than the other's gift. And there was a hierarchy. And there was division. And Paul is frustrated. And Paul says, since you're misusing your gifts, you're causing division. Division. Since you're putting people into boxes, you are causing divisions. And so when he comes to chapter 13, he says, I'm showing you a more excellent way that if you don't have love, it doesn't matter what your gifting is. You love. Well, pick up with me in verse number four. Are you with me this morning? Pick up verse number four. Now, Paul is going to explain this is how you are to live. Now, what we're going to read is a great way that we can deal with difficult people. It's a great way on how we can learn to love our nation back to Jesus. Verse number four, love, this is agape love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous, is not boastful or proud, verse five, or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. Verse six, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Verse seven, love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Jump down to verse number 13. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, 
and love, and the greatest of these is love. Verse one of chapter 14 says this, let love be your highest goal. Well, in the remaining few minutes, what I wanna share with you this morning is this. I wanna share with you some descriptions of love found in verses four through five. There's about seven to nine characteristics. Now, if you came here this morning thinking that Pastor Chris was gonna go short, you're right. Here we go. <laughs> what are some ways that we can live in the midst of division and how can we bring unity out of division? How can we do that? And Paul says love. And he gives a positive spin on it and then he gives a negative spin on it. Let's look at the positive spin. First off, write this down. Love is a choice. Write that down. Love is a choice. Our society is messed up on that idea. For some reason, we think today that love is uncontrollable, as if you just fall into love. Are you with me? We use that language that we just fall into love and we can help it, we can help it. Or we say, I think love is a feeling, I just feel this way, or that, or that this was how I was made. No, scripture says love is a choice. Whom you love is your choice. It comes from scripture. And now Paul says, let me show you how you are to love. Not what, not who, but how you are to love. Verse four, he says, love is patient and kind. I want you to write this down. There's nine things I want you to write down. Number one, we must choose to be patient. We must choose to be patient. The King James Version says, love suffereth long. It is never tired of waiting. Uh, Paul uses this Greek word, makrothumos, which literally means to have a long fuse. And when Paul uses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, you need to be patient, love is patient. The way he's using it is always referencing difficult people. It thinks about difficult people. It says, you be Patient. And this word, uh, macrothumos, it describes a person who has been wronged, but has the power to get even, but chooses not to use that power. Love is patient. We must choose to be patient. I think a great example of this is one of our former presidents, Abraham Lincoln. When Lincoln was president, he had an outspoken critic by the name of Edwin Stanton. Stanton had written several nasty things about Lincoln, including he called him a gorilla and a clown. Fighting words right there. He called him a gorilla and a clown. Lincoln knew about all of the words that Stanton had said about him, but Lincoln never retaliated. And when it came time for Lincoln to choose somebody to oversee the war effort, Lincoln chose Stanton, the one who was his very own critic. Asked why he chose this man, Lincoln said this, because he's the best man for the job. After Lincoln was assassinated, people observed Stanton standing over Lincoln's body, who Stanton said this, there lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen. Love is a choice to be patient. Love is patient and love is kind. So number two, not only do we choose to be patient, we now must choose to be kind. 
Paul uses this word that means this, sweet usefulness, meaning that love is quick and uh, to help others and eager to help out others. And, and when Paul uses the word kind, he uses it in the present tense, which means it is a consistent lifestyle. This needs to be the lifestyle of the believer. Now, let's be honest. It's hard to be kind to people who are demoralizing. Amen? It is, it is difficult to be kind to those who, who, uh, who destroy you or who are difficult, but, but Paul says a believer in Christ, even in the midst of division, even in the midst of difficult situations, he says love is kind, so we must choose kindness. We must choose kindness. So does that mean, Pastor, that when we see an article on social media that I need to be slow in responding to it? Yeah, probably. Does it mean that I probably don't need to say those harsh things to somebody that when I think they're wrong? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what it means. See, church, listen. Christians are to be different than the rest of the world. And one of the ways that we are different is this. We choose to be patient and we choose to be kind. Why are we patient? Because God is in control. Amen? Are you with me this morning? All right. Let's talk about the negative aspect of this one. The positive is love is a choice. We must choose to be patient. We must choose to be kind. But now let's talk about the negative. And I want you to write this down. Love says no. Love says no. Positive, love is a choice. Negative, love says no. Now here's seven aspects of these and we're just gonna go through these quickly, all right? Look at verse number four and five. It says this, love is not jealous, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way, it is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. Well, what are we to say no to? As a believer in Christ, we are to say no to certain behaviors. Number one, write this down. We must say no to jealousy. There must be no jealous bone in our body. Shakespeare called jealousy the green sickness. There must be no jealous bone in our body. Meaning this, we don't get upset when somebody gets promoted and we don't. When somebody does something better than you and it's in your own gifting, we do not get upset, we're not jealous. I mean, we, we don't compare ourselves to one another. Paul says this, in division, we must choose not to get jealous. Number two, we must say no to boasting. We say no to jealousy. We say no to boasting. I love the Greek word that Paul uses here for boasting. It means this. It means a windbag. You know anybody like that? Paul says we say no to boasting, which means this, you don't try to impress others by stating things about you. But you don't boast about it. This past week, um, as I was, um, I, I had the opportunity to play some golf and I was, I was on the putting green and there were a bunch of, bunch of guys around me putting, we're about to, about to go tee off and a lot of talking, but I hear one person's voice, like over everybody's voice. I don't know who this guy is, but he had a distinct loud voice. And he liked himself a lot. And he told people about it. Now, I'm playing with some guys and the guys that I'm with it on the green, we weren't young whippersnappers. We were old, like 30. I mean, we were old. <laughs> and so we're playing and I'm putting and I hear this voice and it just, 
it just won't stop. And his voice is just grating against me. And then finally, I don't know what these guys were really talking about, but then all of a sudden this guy says this, you know, when I was in high school, I didn't even study for the ACT and I scored a 27. I was like, who cares? Who cares about that stuff? But point being is, as believers in Christ, we don't boast. As a matter of fact, if we boast, we boast in our weakness. When I'm weak, then we are strong. But listen, folks, if we want to turn the tide, if we want to turn the tide, we as believers must not act like the world. We must live according to what God says. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it begins with this. We must say no to boasting. Here's number three. We must say no to pride. These two go together. Boasting and pride go together. We must say no to pride. King James Version says it is, uh, love is not puffed up. You're not filled with hot air. You don't have an inflated opinion of yourself. Here's number four. So we say no to jealousy, we say no to boasting, we say no to pride, then we say no to being rude. Uh-oh. This is a big one today, isn't it? We must say no to being rude. What does that mean? What does Paul mean when he says don't be rude? Here's what it means. Have good manners. That's what it means. Have good manners. Be kind. Be considerate. Be polite to other people. Don't be, uh, just don't be rude. Um, make others feel at ease. And let, let me give you an example of what, what I'm talking about. Because you've all experienced this before. You've all experienced a person or a person or somebody come up to you and say something like this. Well, I just got to say this and I got to get it off my chest. You ever had anybody say something like that to you, right? The Bible says, do not be rude. Whenever that person says, I've got to get this off my chest, most of the time it is hurtful. Are you with me? It is hurtful. And if you feel like you have to get that off your chest, it might be wise to listen to what Paul says when it says, love is not rude. You read later on down in the scripture, it says, love builds people up. It does not tear down. Here's number five. Not only is love, we say no to jealousy, we say no to boasting, we say no to pride, say no to being rude. Number five, we must say no to seeking our own way. Think about that, church. We must say no to seeking our own way. Love never says it's my way or the highway. That's a great line for the movies, and it works in the movies. That doesn't work in relationships. It doesn't work when we're trying to reach people. It doesn't work. It's my way or the highway. Love says, let's do it Jesus' way. Let's do it the way Jesus wants. Let's do it the way 1 Corinthians 13 does it. Let's do that, and let's not care about who gets the credit we must put our own personal agendas aside if we are to love and if we're to change the tide of our country. Here's number six. We must say no to losing our temper. That's a tough one, isn't it? 
Love says you are not ill-tempered. You do not lose your temper quickly. You are not easily provoked. Goodness, I could spend another 45 minutes on losing our temper and not being easily provoked, amen? I mean, we are in a time where, where the highest or, the, or the, the characteristic trait that gets the most traction is this, those who lose their temper quickly. Are you with me? Two of you are. The other ones are still struggling with their temper. I understand. I get it. I get it. But Paul says, listen, you, church, you, believer, you remain calm. And then here's number seven, and then we're going to be done. Amen? Oh, me. We must say no to holding on to grudges. Woof. Verse five says this. You do not take into account a wrong suffered. Proverbs 19.11, write that down. Proverbs 19.11 says this, when someone wrongs you, it is a great virtue to ignore it. Hmm. When someone wrongs you, it's a great virtue to ignore it. Now, you and I know we can't just ignore it. We first must have to, we must have to uh, face it and we have to forgive it. But then you can ignore it. Folks, listen, church, listen. We must put aside the wrongs that have been done to us. We put the wrongs aside. I was reading, it was in my quiet time, I think it was last Sunday before, before church, before worship, last Sunday morning. And I read Oswald Chambers' My Most Forest Highest. I don't know if you read that. If, if you don't have a quiet time, choose that one, My Most Forest Highest. It's a great one, it's a classic. You can go to the website, utmost.org, and it will lead you to it. It's great. But Oswald Chambers said this, as a Christian, this is, this is my version of it. He said, he said, as a Christian, never get upset when justice is not shown to you, but you always give justice. Think about that, church. Students, think about that one. He said this, never get upset when justice is not served to you, but you always give justice. We would be in a much better place if we learned how to forgive one another. We would be in a much better place if we would say, you know what, brother, sister, I'm, I forgive you. Will you forgive me? And let's, let's put this behind and let's, let's come together. Can our nation ever come back to Jesus? I don't know. But I know this, that if the church continues to spew hate like the world hates, there's no chance for our nation to come back to Jesus. But if the church becomes the church, and speaks love and lives love and lives out the love that Christ has encouraged us to love and has told us to love and has commanded us to love, then and only then will the nation have a chance to return back to Jesus. It hangs in our hands. And the question is, will we love? Let me close with this story. This morning, um, as my family, we drove over to St. Simon's this morning. Um, Abigail ran in a race, a 5K race this morning. But when we left our house, 
it was, uh, what, six o'clock in the morning? Early, early. But it was foggy. I don't know if anybody was up early or not, but it was foggy this morning. It was, it was a really, really thick fog. Couldn't see, couldn't see very far in front of you, but the only things that, as, as I'm driving, the only things I can, I'm telling myself is, okay, make sure I stay between the yellow line and the white line, right? Because that's pretty much all that I can see. I can see them passing by. Just stay in the lane. And I'm thinking this as we're driving down the road, because we had to drive a little bit slow because it really, really was foggy, really, really thick. And I'm seeing the yellow line, I'm seeing the white line, yellow line, white line. And I'm saying, just stay in the lane. If, if I stay in the lane, we will arrive safely. If I stay in the lane and it's already, as it's already been instructed, as it's already just been set up, if I stay in the lane, it's going to be okay. And we're going to arrive. And I'm thinking about this message today about love. I'm thinking, Jesus has already given us the lane to walk in. He's already given us the lane that says, you walk in this lane and you are going to arrive. If you will walk in between these lines that I've given you, you can swerve as much as you want as long as it's in those lines. You stay there and you're going to arrive. Church, stay in the lane of love. Stay in the lane of love, and we will have a fighting chance to take the nation back to Jesus. Amen? Won't you pray with me, please? Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you've already given us a lane to walk in. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 reminds us that we need to walk in the lane of love. And Father, we are so thankful for our country that you have given us. And that in your sovereignty and in your providential hand, you've allowed us to be born here, to live here, to work here, to raise a family here. Father, thank you for your kindness. But Father, may we not live here just focusing on here. May we turn our attention to the eternal. And we pray, Father God, that you would turn our nation back to you. And I pray that you would use the church as we walk in love. And we show people how to love, and we show them who is love. Father, I pray this morning that we would commit to you to walk in love. In Jesus' name we pray.